Hello, residents. My name is Mike Estefan. I'm joined today by Maddie Watts, and thank you for downloading this month's episode of the EM Clerkship Podcast. This episode is sponsored by Pearson Rabbits, my personal independent disability and life insurance agent. We will talk more about Pearson Rabbits later in the episode, but for now, let's get into the case. Today is round number 13 of the game. Maddie will need to perform today's case in real ABEM oral boards format. She has 15 minutes to complete the full case, and she does not know what this case is ahead of time. If Maddie hits all of the critical actions that I have listed out beforehand, she wins. If she doesn't, or if she performs a dangerous action, I win. These cases were created by me. They are not derived from actual ABM cases that I had, and they are not real patients. Maddie, take out a piece of paper and a pencil and place the paper sideways in front of you. Outline a human body on the left side of it, and please let me know when you are ready. All right, I'm ready to go. All righty, Dr. Watts, this will be a single patient encounter. You will have 15 minutes to complete the case before we begin. Do you have any questions? Nope. All right, let me get my timer going. All right, and your time starts now. Dr. Watts, you are working at Clerkship General when you hear an EMS call on the base command radio. Clerkship General, we are bringing you a young female in respiratory distress, ETA, two minutes. All right. So um, in preparation for this, I would like to have my respiratory therapist at bedside. Um, I would like to have um, some suction ready. I'd like to have um, ideally access to CPAP or BiPAP relatively quickly in case I need it. Um, and then we'll see what coming in, I guess, young female thinking potentially asthma. All right. And it looks like EMS is rolling in right now. Hey doc, this is Ashley. She's having difficulty breathing. She has a history of asthma. We were going to give her a nebulizer, but she, she lives right around the corner from us. So we didn't really have time. Instead, we put her on a non-rebreather. Do you have any questions? Yeah. What was her initial saturation? Uh, she was 91% on room air before we threw the non-rebreather on. Okay. Did you happen to get a blood pressure or heart rate? Uh, heart rate of 120, blood pressure of 150 over 90. All right. Um, sounds good. So I would like my nurse to start getting my patient on the monitor and get an opening set of vitals for here. Um, and then what do I see when I look at the patient? Um, general appearance, you see a young female who appears to be in respiratory distress. All right. Um, and what's our opening set of vitals? Opening set of vitals, you have a heart rate of 123, a respiratory rate of 36, a blood pressure of 142 over 78, oxygen 97% on a non-rebreather, and you were unable to get a temperature because... The patient is in respiratory distress. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and take a listen to her lungs. What do I hear? Uh, what are you looking for? So um, do I have bilateral breath sounds? Does she sound diminished in any lung fields? Do I hear wheezing? And if so, is it inspiratory, expiratory, or both? Okay. Um, 
you actually do not hear any wheezes, rails, or ronchi. You barely hear any air movement in all lung fields. Got it. And when I look at her, does she have any um, retractions, nasal flaring? Is she tripoding? Do I see any evidence of increased work of breathing? Uh, there are supraclavicular, intercostal, and subcostal retractions present. Okay. Um, all right. And is she able to talk? And if so, how many words can she speak in a breath? Uh, she can't get more than a word or two out. Okay. All right. So um, given that we know we have a history of asthma, she's not able to give us much other history. Um, on exam, does she have any other um, notable features? Is she sweaty? Um, does she have a rash? Um, general appearance, you don't notice any diaphoresis um, out of proportion to what's expected for her current situation. Um, and you don't see any rash. Okay. Do I have good perfusion in my extremities? Hands and feet are warm. Yeah, you have normal capillary refill, good pulses in all four extremities. Okay. Um, so let's um, go ahead and put her on continuous albuterol at 20 um, and some ipratropium as well. Um, I think it'd be 0.5. And then um, if we can have our nurses start working on IV access, because I think she'll need some steroids and probably magnesium with how bad she looks right now. Okay, so you want uh, a continuous nebulizer treatment and steroids and magnesium. Yes, and then let's, um, if we can get a, um, if we're getting access, if we can get a VBG, um, before that, if we can get a point of care blood sugar, that'd be great. Make sure this isn't DKA. Um, and then um, if we can call x-ray for a portable chest and an EKG as well. Sure. One second. Her finger stick was 110. You said you want it lab-wise, a VBG. Is there anything else you want it on labs? Yeah, we can get a CBC and a BMP. Um, given that she's young and I don't know of any cardiac risk factors, I don't think we need to send trope or BNP right now. Um, so just those two. Okay, CBC, BMP, VBG. Chest x-ray was sent over. Um, EKG, I'll just tell you, is sinus tack. No okay. other ischemic abnormalities or S1Q3, T3, or anything like that. Okay, and I was just about to ask, did I see any evidence of DVT on exam or any lower extremity edema? No, you did not. All right, so uh, we must have just shot our portable chest x-ray because I have it here looking. Her trachea looks midline. Um in general, I don't see any evidence of pneumothorax. Her cardiac and mediastinal silhouettes are appropriate. She looks a little hyperinflated, but she's got crisp diaphragms. Um, I don't see any obvious pulmonary edema or focal consolidation to suggest pneumonia. So I think this is um, as expected for her. Um, now that she's been started on continuous albuterol, um, can I listen to her again? Has she improved in her work of breathing at all? She has not improved at all. Okay. Is, are her lung sounds still diminished throughout? Yeah. You still don't hear any wheezing. Okay. Um, okay. So um, K 
can I also take an ultrasound probe and look at her heart? I still um, have lower suspicion that this is PE, but I want to take a look at her right ventricle and make sure it doesn't look enlarged. Her RV is uh, normal in okay. comparison to the LV. Okay. And then does she have grossly normal cardiac function? Yes, she does. Okay. Any pericardial effusion? No pericardial effusion. Okay. So um, she has she gotten um, two grams of magnesium and um, dec- 10 or 16 milligrams of decadron? Uh, yes, we have given her the, uh, the duoneb, uh, continuously the magnesium and the decadron, and there is no clinical change at this point. She's still on non-rebreather. Okay. Um, and can we briefly turn off the oxygen and see what our room air sat is for her? Um, you, you turn off the, the non-rebreather. Um, her respiratory rate shoots up to about 44, and her oxygen dips down to about 89. Okay. So um, I think she probably needs to go on BiPAP at this point. Is she, It sounds like she's still unable to talk. She's hypoxic, which is not a good sign. Um, and then what did our VBG show in terms of her um, pH and CO2? Uh, so labs come back. Her CBC is, uh, shows a white count of 10.5, a hemoglobin of 12.5, platelet count of 340. Her BMP is largely unremarkable, um, a sodium of 138, a potassium of 4.4, chloride of 105, bicarb of 24, creatinine of 1, BUN of 14, and a glucose of 105. And her VBG showed a pH of 7.31 and a PCO2 of 41. Okay. Um, So it makes me a little nervous that her PCO2 is actually normalizing. Um, So, um, yes, I think she needs to be started on BiPAP. So if we can have respiratory therapy, get that set up. I think for her... um, Let's see her initial settings. Maybe we just start on 10 over 5 and then see where we go from there. Okay, she has been put on BiPAP. Okay. Um, And then this is somebody who definitely is making me nervous and I feel like we will need to start thinking about um, additional adjuvant therapies. So things like terbutaline and maybe even epi for her. Again, can I listen to her, um, see if we've had any improvement? Um, You still don't hear any wheezing and there's still poor air movement. However, she is in slightly less respiratory distress being on the BiPAP. Okay. Um, So this is somebody who I think is definitely going to need the ICU. Um, I don't think this is anything else at this point besides just really bad asthma um can i look in our chart do we know that she has a history of asthma has she had to be hospitalized or intubated before um you you pull open her chart it looks like she has a medical history notable for asthma eczema and seasonal allergies and her last three visits were all intubations in the icu for asthma okay okay Um, so, um, I think 
she probably is going to need some additional therapies. I don't know the dosing of terbutaline or epi for this off the top of my head, but if we have our pharmacists, that would be great. And I'd like to go ahead and page out the ICU. I think she needs to be admitted. Okay. Uh, pharmacy here. Do you want terbutaline or epi or both? I can help with the dosing. Yeah. Let's start with um, terbutaline um, and see how she responds. I think you can do it sub-Q or IV. Okay. We'll, we'll give it IV. We'll handle the dosing. Okay. And ICU has been paged, but uh, they're they're handling a cardiac arrest right now, so they're not going to be able to help you for another about four minutes. Okay. Um, do I see any evidence that patient is getting more fatigued? Um, yeah. So you, you give the terbutaline, and on reassessment... Uh, you actually begin to hear a little bit of wheezing uh, on auscultation, but the patient's respiratory rate has now dropped to about 20. Okay. So um, I would like to give Epi now. Um, I think you can even redose the mag, redose the terbutaline. I want to hit her hard because I'm worried that she's tiring out and I really don't want to intubate this person. There's no change and her respiratory rate has dropped to 16. Okay. So unfortunately, I think we need to intubate this person. Um, so for her, um, I, she's someone that I might consider like a delayed sequence intubation doing ketamine first and then, um, only paralyzing when I'm ready, but I would have, um, my video laryngoscope and DL as backup, but I'd also have, um, Craig stuff available. If I have another colleague there, this is going to be someone who will desat really quickly, and I want to make sure we secure her airway, but I think we will need to proceed with intubation at this time. Okay, what size endotracheal tube would you like? Um, I'd grab a 7.5 for her um, and probably use a MAC-3 if she's, um, is she relatively normal weight or any obesity? Yeah, she she's normal weight. Okay, yeah, I'd do a MAC-3, 7.5 tube. I'd start with a video and- laryngoscope. Ketamine and what and medications? Ketamine and rock. Okay, she's she's intubated. Okay. Um, and how is her blood pressure and her heart rate? Okay, so you repeat her vital signs, and her blood pressure is one twenty over seventy. Her heart rate is down to one hundred five. Her Oxygen, she's currently 99% on the ventilator settings. Her respiratory rate is currently set to a default of 20. And I think that's that's it. Okay. Um, so for her, um, I think those settings are okay for right now. Um, but I'd like to get a VBG after she's been on uh, the ventilator for about 10 minutes. And have I heard from the ICU yet? <laughs> uh no they they they're still running this code they they have a few more minutes um okay so the the respiratory therapist will draw do you want a vbg or an avg um we can do an avg now that she's on the ventilator okay she's gonna work on an avg and uh when the respiratory therapist goes back into the room to draw this avg they they actually call you back in hey doc she she doesn't look so well can you come back in here yeah, I go back in. What do I see? 
Um, you go back into the room and you see on the cardiac monitor that her most recent blood pressure is now showing 65 over 30, and she's starting to become bradycardic. What else would you like to assess and what would you like to do here? Um, so first of all, do I have a good pulse? You have a pulse. Okay. And then what are my lung sounds? Do I have sounds bilaterally? Um, you, you don't hear much air movement bilaterally at all. Okay. Um, and are we running albuterol and ipatropium in line through the ventilator? We are. Okay. Um, if we can redose our, um, actually she probably needs to be started on pressors at this point. So, um, we can start her on an epi drip, um, and give her a bolus of fluids. So a liter bolus, because I think the positive pressure is probably affecting her hemodynamics. Um, yeah. Ha okay. Okay, we, we, we start those interventions, but un unfortunately, we, we lose a pulse. She's in cardiac arrest. Okay, so um, we'll start compressions. Uh, we will hook her up to the pads. Um, and what's our initial rhythm? Uh, you don't feel a pulse, and you see what looks to be a, a sinus rhythm on the monitor. Okay, so she's... In PEA arrest, um, so we will treat with epi and keep doing compressions. Um, I'm concerned about our ventilator settings. Is she having air trapping that we can see on the ventilator where she's her um, she's not returning oh. all the way to the baseline? Let me uh, send you her ventilator waveform. That is what you see when you look at the ventilator. So, yes, she... Uh, what would you like to do about it, Doc? So, um, if we can, I want to give her more, um, time for expiration. So if we can decrease her I to E time and then actually let's, um, slow her respiratory rate a little bit so we can take her down to, uh, 16. Okay. And um, ICU has arrived at bedside. They said, we will take it from here. And that ends your case. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh. You, you did good. You did good. Um, <laughs> let's, uh, before, we, before we go through how Maddie did, let's talk about our sponsor for the month, Pearson Rabbits Insurance. Pearson Rabbits is my own personal disability and life insurance broker. If you are a regular listener of our podcast, you've heard us talk on and on about Pearson Rabbits, and that is for good reason. They are the real deal. It's honestly been a while since I've personally communicated with the staff at Pearson Rabbits, but I had the absolute pleasure of talking with one of their agents just the other day about my life insurance policy, and I was reminded why we continue to praise them. They are real, down-to-earth people who have years of experience dealing exclusively with healthcare professionals. Their main goal is to get you the policy that best fits your needs. They do not receive any kickback for pushing one policy over another. I've personally referred friends as well as my significant other to Pearson Rabbits for their insurance needs, and I will continue to do so. Don't wait until it's too late 
check out Pearson Rabbits at www.pearsonrabbits.com and schedule a consultation appointment with one of their team members today. Don't forget to mention EM Clerkship when you do. And now back to our episode. Woo! Maddie, how do you think you did? <laughs> um, I think I did okay. Um, I feel like asthma is one of those things where you're like, okay, cool. I hear wheezing. I know what to do. And then you do your initial things and a lot of times they get better and you're like, okay, great. I'm such a good doctor. And then when they don't get better, you're like, oh my God, no. <laughs> um, cause that's, <laughs> those patients can be really scary and can get really sick really quick. So I kind of had a hunch that was where this was going and my hunch was right. <laughs> Uh, you you called this case from the get-go. Oh, maybe she has asthma before <laughs> she even arrived. And then uh, can, can we look through and see see if she's ever been intubated before? Oh, yeah, the, the last three times she was here, she was intubated. Um, so, so tell our listeners, what was the final diagnosis here? So this was an asthma exacerbation with respiratory distress. Yes, and eventual respiratory failure. Um, so let's let's kind of rewind a bit. I mean, we'll we'll talk about the the meat of the case, but really, I I want to know: Do you know why the patient went into cardiac arrest? And I think you do. You were you said the magic words. Yeah, I I was trying to think about ventilator settings in my head because I know that you can have air trapping whenever patients with obstructive lung disease don't have enough time to expire and then they get increased endothoracic pressure so then you can't have filling passive filling of the heart and so she was not getting good venous return and ultimately had cardiac not enough cardiac output from that yes yes you said that better than i could have said that is 100 percent what happened um, now the, the magic question is when that happens clinically, what do you do? Yeah, that's where I was panicking <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> okay. So I have never had this happen to me. Thank the Lord. I've never had to intubate an asthmatic as you rightfully were. Um, it is something you should fear, but you should be ready to do if necessary. Um, so when these patients get ventilated, you have to, you have to give very specific vent settings to the respiratory therapist. So if you had started off with those vent settings, you gave me the, the prolonged IDE ratio. I think you said a shortened IDE, but it's a prolonged I to E ratio with a low respiratory rate. None of this would have happened and the IC would have came down and everything would have been butterflies and peaches and <laughs> all beautiful things, you know? Um, so when this happens and the patient starts building up that pressure and their pressure, their blood pressure starts to drop, um, it's actually a pretty cool maneuver. You just disconnect the patient from the ventilator and you get up on that stretcher and you push on their chest. It's like deflating a, a rigid balloon and you just get all that trapped air out of their chest. That is the maneuver. You hook them back up to the ventilator with their new vent settings and you watch them like a hawk. Wow. Yeah, it, it, the thing is, I was thinking about it, and I knew you had to have time to expire, but then in my head, I was like, well, people who have asthma are usually tachypnic initially, and then I was getting confused with my acidosis, and I was like, in the moment, I was just like, oh, I know I'm doing something wrong, and I'm sure I will find out what it is very soon. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, no, you, you, you understood and interpreted the physiology in this case and the pathophysiology exactly. That VBG was very concerning. The fact that the patient had a normal to getting close to elevated CO2s. Uh, in the setting of an asthma exacerbation is an ominous sign. And with all the, the respiratory muscle use, the lack of wheezing, these are all ominous signs for patients with asthma. So I think you did really good from a physiology, pathophysiology, understanding what's going on kind of perspective. Um, now, you, you didn't get all the critical actions, and obviously the, the patient ended up coding, but it was a very small action that you missed and now you will never forget what to do yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay so let's go through our critical actions this case had five critical actions um the first is give standard asthma treatment which we did and i consider that uh Duoneb, steroids magnesium and then plus or minus positive ventilator uh, positive pressure ventilation. I'm sorry, I cannot talk today. Um, my second critical action was give either epi or terbutaline, which you did. Um, my third critical action, which kind of got lost in the, the acuity of things, was what I call the post-intubation package. Now, if you, if you don't verbalize this stuff when you're taking the oral boards, they will definitely ding you for this. So post-intubation chest x-ray, what you want for sedation and analgesia. And then sometimes they even kind of expect you to be like, oh, let's put in an OG tube, let's put in a Foley, that kind of thing. Okay. Um, so there was that. Uh, number four was choose appropriate vent settings for the intubated asthmatic. Um, which you eventually did get. Um, and then the the fifth was a lot. And we'll talk about this more in the deep dive, but allow permissive hypercapnia if the if you get to this point. This was a hard case. Um, I wasn't sure if you would get to the point of getting a blood gas after they're intubated um, with the built-in code if you didn't set the, the ventilator right. But if you set the ventilator right, basically what would have happened is the, the respiratory therapist would have went into the room, they would have gotten a blood gas, and the blood gas would have been like, you know, pH of 715 with a CO2 of 70. Hey, doc, do you want me to go up on the minute ventilation? And what is the answer here? No. <laughs> No, permissive hypercapnia in intubated asthmatics is a necessary evil that we have to deal with to avoid the air trapping, the auto peep. Um, but we'll talk a lot more about this on the deep dive. Um, that is really all I have for the case. You kind of stole my thunder with the physiology. You nailed that better than I could have. Um, is there anything else from the case that you had questions about or you wanted to talk about? No, but I definitely realized after she coded that a post-intubation chest x-ray would have been good because I was like, what if she's right main-stemmed or something like that? So um, certainly that was making sure to verbalize that not only in the cases, but a lot of times we're spoiled and our nurses have already called x-ray and have already started putting the OG tube down and stuff like that. But in the community, you probably need to be the one to verbalize and make sure all that happens. So that's a good reminder. Yeah, our nurses in the community are also really good. But um, yeah, on the real deal, on the oral boards case, Everything has to be verbalized, and my my recommendation, having just taken my oral boards, is every time you perform any kind of intervention, meaning you give pain medication, you give other medication, you put somebody on 
you know, positive pressure ventilation, you intubate somebody, anything, you ask for a brief repeat assessment and a repeat set of vital signs. Um, that'll keep you kind of organized. It'll keep you from missing things, et cetera. I, th- I think it's a, uh, a good strategy. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, well, aside from the case, how are things going otherwise? I heard you just celebrated a birthday. Happy belated birthday. Thank you. Yeah, no, things have been good. I have been in the PZD this month, which has been fun. A lot of fevers, diarrhea, snotty noses, all that fun stuff. Um, but no, it's it's been good. And I'm going back to just the regular ED next month. Back to home. It, yes. it feels good, doesn't it? Yes, it does. <laughs> um, random question, because it's been... It's been a minute since I've been in a PDD, but are you guys still seeing uh, cases of MISC with COVID? Not really. And we've seen a lot of COVID still, but I think it's just so much more mild now with the so many iterations of it and a lot of the vaccines. And so I have not personally seen any MISC this go around, but I did see at least some people we were working up for it last time I was in the PDD, um, like last okay. year. Okay, so, so it's... So it's still a thing. It's just not as common. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting because when I was in residency and doing my PEM rotations, um, I swear I saw like an MISC kid every single week and it was just like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. But it's good to hear that's no longer the case. Yeah. I mean, I didn't even see that much of it last year, but I think whenever you think Kawasaki, you'll just also think MISC, but... MISC. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. All right. Well, that's about all the time we have for today. Thanks for listening. As always, feel free to send us emails. You can reach me at mike at emclerkship.com. And you can reach me at maddie, M-A-D-D-I-E, at emclerkship.com. And last but not least, don't forget, Zach Olson is still with us behind the scenes for a lot of this. You can reach Zach at Z-A-C-K at emclerkship.com. Thanks again to our sponsors at Pearson Rabbits. And until next time, keep working hard, keep studying, and be sure to enjoy your shift.